0: Welcome to Leaning In and Speaking Out, a Research Connection podcast.
1: This is a podcast from Brandon University's Center for Aboriginal and Rural Education Studies, or BU Cares.
0: Every episode, we connect with a researcher and a community member around a topic of interest.
1: We want to model how research connects with the broader community and highlight the knowledge that both researchers and community members bring to the table.
0: Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Leaning In and Speaking Out. I'm Michelle Lam, the co-host of the podcast, and I'm here this morning with three friends who have just recently completed a project out of Southwest Horizon School Division. And I'll just ask each of you to introduce yourselves.
2: My name is Rachel Spisdowski, and I'm the Strategic Initiative Learning Coordinator with Southwest Horizon
3: School Division. Hi, my name is Natasha Ofono. I'm an international graduate student at Bonin University.
1: I'm Jackie Kirk and I am from the Department of Leadership and Educational Administration and I am the co-host of the podcast and on this project I was the researcher.
0: So you're wearing a few different hats in this conversation. Many hats this morning. Yeah Yeah, so my first question is about how the project changed over time because I know at the beginning when you were setting up the project it was sort of a response to COVID and back then everyone was thinking the pandemic was a short thing and so I'm sure your project has changed over time so I'd love to hear how your aims shifted as the pandemic rolled out.
2: We sort of began this project like you said in response to COVID and what we thought would be a short time period and what we really wanted to find out was just how teachers managed through that time and what kind of things that they did to help their students, what kind of things they did to help themselves, how they managed in general and then as it went on and on and on and things changed towards the fall we realized that it had had to be a little bit bigger in scope in that um, we went from everybody teaching remotely in the spring to all of our schools in very different scenarios depending on the size of the school um, and cases in the area and things like that and so it sort of just became much larger and we had more things to look at instead of just what it was like teaching online.
1: Mm-hmm. Jackie did well, it? Now. I actually went back and um, changed the ethics protocol and changed the questions. Um, but even then, you know, I only made a slight adjustment to it, but when I actually got into interviews, you know, so um, as the fall went on, um, I think there was a lot of stress in schools and a lot of stress in school divisions and I just wasn't feeling like it was the right time to be trying to get to talk to teachers and so I didn't actually do the interviewing until February. And by that time, they had a whole lot of things that they wanted to talk about when they got into the interviews that they wanted to tell about what their experiences had been. And that started to take on a big part of what they told me, even though most of the questions were still about the spring. Like I, and I don't really think it, like, it might have been a limitation to what we learned, and certainly it was a limitation to what we learned about the spring. But um, I think the information that we learned from those interviews and that they shared with us was really good.
0: Yeah, I, really I remember good data. at the beginning, this kind of started as a conversation about these grade groups that were happening, and that was something really unique that was sort of a response to COVID, right? So, Rachel, do you want to just talk about? the grade groups and what they were, how they were structured, things like that?
2: Sure. So when we first went into remote teaching in the spring, um, you know, it was a dramatic change to the system that no one had really experienced before. And so in addition to teaching your students in a completely different way, teachers were forced to, you know, interact in a totally different way and where they might have been able to have hallway conversations and, you Quick staff meetings and things like that with their colleagues all of a sudden everyone was at home and no one was able to do that kind of interacting and so we developed grade group meetings um, just as a way to communicate information if we had any information from the division because you know as you remember there were so many things coming out from the province at the time and so we wanted a way to communicate that information directly to teachers Uh, We also wanted them to have a platform to collaborate with um, and just share ideas, share concerns, share stories about what was happening. And so we're a pretty small division um, in numbers. And so we were able to make groups based on um, teaching positions. And so we had a A kindergarten group so all the kindergarten teachers were part of a grade one and two group. so we have a lot of multi-grade classes for one and two or separate grade one and grade two teachers and then three four five six seven eight and so on and so we met i think four or five times in um and it was just you know just to share the information um, both from the division and between colleagues themselves
0: I think that's really innovative. Like that didn't exist before, right? Like meeting across schools in a regular way. So that was in response to COVID.
2: Yeah, and normally the only chance that teachers would have to interact with each other is at a division-wide PDE, which, you know, looks different from year to year. Um, But this was specifically talking to your colleagues in the same grade levels who are, in theory, experiencing some of the same struggles and and triumphs online as well. So, um, yeah, it was definitely a new situation that we were in. Yeah,
0: and it's so great that you could capture some of that uh, like emerging learning that's happening along the way, right? Like you, you started with these grade groups that were set up for sharing information or resources. I'm sure they turned into like social and emotional support for one another and sharing what's happening in your schools because it was an incredibly difficult year. So I wonder, like I know you did some surveys and some interviews. Do you want to talk first about the surveys and what that looked like and how, what kinds of things you found?
2: For sure. And you used a great word there before when you said to capture things. And that's really what we also wanted to do because when you think about it, you know when you're in the middle of something, you think, I'm going to remember this forever and I know exactly how I was feeling at this time. And then you get out of it and it's a distant memory and you don't remember how things were. And so um, the great group meetings were a chance for us to just you know talk about what we were feeling but the survey itself was a way to really capture and write down some of the things that teachers were were doing and feeling and so um we kind of talked about teaching in general like what kinds of things were teachers doing that were really helping kids learn while they were online and so we got all kinds of responses about whether it was the logistical um tools or setup that the teachers were using to um just different types of pedagogy and what kind of teaching lent itself best to online teaching. Um, And then that led us into conversations about assessment, because it assessment looked really different for a lot of teachers online, you know, there was far less pencil and paper, there was far less observation because you really couldn't see the kids in front of you. Um, So we talked about assessment. um, And then we just talked about routines and what kinds of things that they were already doing in their classroom that worked well in an online setting. And then on the flip side, what kinds of things did they pick up during the online teaching that were really valuable that they could bring back into their classrooms whenever we go back to that as a a normal thing? Um, And then just kind of talked about the things that they did um, that were beneficial on a personal level. So whether it was just for their own mental health or just for their own teaching or what kinds of things that they were doing as individuals that were helping. So it was being part of other groups, you know, whether it was teacher Facebook groups or um, joining other kinds of online meeting groups to, to share stories and that kind of thing, or professional reading or some online PD. So we had a few different responses there too, but it was just a really good way to capture it because although nothing seemed incredibly groundbreaking to any of the teachers at the time, when they look back on it, they'll realize, Oh, yeah, this is what it was like. And I'm glad I do have evidence of what this was, because hopefully, it is a distant memory. At some point,
0: someday. Uh, What about the interviews, Jackie, you did those you said in February, I did.
1: And I think they confirmed lots of the things that Rachel talked about. Um, I think, you know, they really talked about the spring and the fall being different First that um, the beginning of the spring was a little bit stressful but they felt like they had a little bit of time to prepare and they thought it was just going to be a couple of weeks so that didn't seem like a big deal and then once that was over and it was sort of announced that we wouldn't go back to school until after the end of June um, then it became a lot more stressful and they felt really unprepared for how they were going to meet the needs of students. And um, some of them had like, it was sort of a broken front of things that they were doing and things like um, I talked to one teacher who was working on a colony um, who was only had um, she had paper packages that she had sent out and then she was trying to communicate with her students who were earlier students over the phone every day and so she had learned a lot about um the language that she was using in the classroom and how the language that she was using wasn't simple enough for students to understand like for a six-year-old to understand when it was only words that she was using she said you know in the classroom i can use lots of hand gestures and that gives a whole lot more information. But if I'm only using words, then I have to be really focused and really concise and really direct about the things that I want them to know and the things that they need to know to be able to move forward. And so what she had learned from that was really fascinating to me because she had then brought that back to her regular classroom where she said, you know, they were moving forward and I was only talking to them for a really short telephone conversation each day and I could still see their progress. And so that was a big um, flag for me that I was maybe doing too much talking in the classroom and that I needed to focus my lessons more directly. And so she actually talked about how she had restructured her day in the classroom To make sure that she had a really focused lesson that she had really sort of trimmed down the language on so that everybody could understand it and then she was noticing results in her classroom um, that people were moving ahead and that she actually thought that the students in her I don't know let's say grade one classroom were as far or further ahead than her students last year Mm -hmm. and so Um, you know that's significant to me and it's just one story right but um, it's still the other part about that is that many teachers repeated that same sort of message that they had learned that they needed to be more focused and direct with their instruction and um, it's probably something I should reflect on
0: in my own teaching well that's really interesting because that will stick after the pandemic too like yeah. that's a, that's an insight that's valuable mm-hmm. across the board right yeah that's and then
1: I think the other thing is that as they moved on to fall they talked a lot about um, just that fall was really hard and um, I think sort of from the perspective of you know how when, we're learning something new that it's really hard and you have to think really deeply about it all the time and then as you do those same processes day after day after day it moves it into that piece of your brain where it's just like an automatic um, response and you know how to handle those things and you don't really think through it you just do those things um they felt like all the protocols to keep people safe and the responsibility that they had for keeping kids safe in their classroom and keeping themselves safe so that when they went home, they weren't infecting their homes, um, turned all of those processes that they had learned to do as um, veteran teachers, turned that into um, something that they had to think about every day and that it was really exhausting. To try to work in those circumstances and I think that's something that we've you know our other guests on the podcast shared and I think that's sort of a common thing that we're hearing from teachers but I I think that's really I like the way of thinking about it that it takes it back to that um, skill that you have to you know it has to be like an intellectual um, process to get through that all the time.
0: Mm-hmm. What were some, from both the surveys and the interviews, what were some of the things that really helped the teachers, either for their own well-being or in their teaching practice?
2: Just as as with anything, different people are going to get different things out of, um, you know, different avenues that they explore. And so from the grade group meetings, some teachers really preferred when they were given information. So this is what we know about how the report cards are going to look in the spring. This is exactly what you need to know. Because I think in that time, you know, there were so many things for them to think about and to make judgment calls about in terms of how they were going to be teaching online or maybe thinking about what was going to happen in the fall. So some preferred when it was just here's some information for you. This is what you do with it. Um, Whereas others took away, you know, the collaboration from it and they learn different people's names in the division that they maybe weren't sure about before, or they got to talk to someone that they hadn't talked to before. And so then they now had that extra connection that they could contact um, when we weren't doing the grade group meetings or after. So some people liked the collaboration part of it, and some people just liked to listen in some cases, but I don't know if you got that same message in the interviews, Jackie.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think one of the things that, they talked about lots was just the knowledge that they had of the division and the connections um, with people across the division. I think that was important to them. And I think collaboration with other teachers was really important to them. I think they used that lots. Um, Even in the beginning, uh, lots of them struggled with understanding how to use technology um, when they were completely separated from students because we hadn't really Um, gone very far down that road of distance learning and if you were teaching in the classroom you weren't really practicing distance learning so even for teachers who were using technology in their um, in their classroom it changed a bit because uh, they weren't there to explain and so they had to figure out how to do that for themselves to learn that technology so lots of them talked about different platforms that they learned to use during that time. But also then they reached out to each other to get help with how to do that. And um, some of them had colleagues within their schools that they could turn to. And I think uh, the people in the smaller schools who didn't have, you know, who felt more isolated, um, especially from colleagues, if they were teaching in a specialized classroom, and wanted to connect with another person who has had a similar job description uh, i think that the grade groups became more important for them i think if they had colleagues in their own school to connect with then uh, the grade groups weren't as important for them the other thing that they talked about lots was mental health i think almost every one of them talked about mental health in some capacity Um, both their own and of students Uh, they've since fall they've worried lots about the mental health of their students and how um, the health restrictions and the isolation is affecting especially teenagers Um, and they talked also about things that they were using to um, ensure their own work-life balance and um, their self-care routines, and lots of them were doing more exercise. Um, lots of them had new pets, uh, you know, lots of different things that people were doing to try to get through this time. Yeah,
0: uh, Natasha, do you want to add anything there?
3: Yeah, and this is kind of similar to what Rachel and Jackie said before, but as we went through the transcripts the <clears throat> and the interviews, I think what, and the phrase they used, most was uh, being in the same boat this also talks to mental health just the ideology that you're really not alone and that different teachers uh regarding different um regardless of their academic rather not academic but their professional level did identify that they also struggled and i think that was very helpful and would be helpful to new teachers just to know that mental health is really a serious thing Mm -hmm.
0: And that's a good message for all of us and for everyone that we're all in the same boat and you know, yeah. Yeah, all dealing with it. Yeah. Um, what about the students? What what came out as sort of the helpful things for students? Did they talk about that? You mentioned like the really clear instructions, but were there other things that came out? In terms of just the conversations
2: that we've had in the grade group meetings and in the survey and, and just other conversations that have happened this year, um, I don't know how many times I've heard about how resilient students are. And so although teachers are trying new things, you know, in their pedagogy and trying to move kids forward academically, um, no matter what they're trying there, students are still, I'm not going to say thriving, but students are doing amazing things in spite of all of the barriers in front of them. So I think that was the biggest thing that has come up is just how, how well students are adapting no matter what the teachers are doing
1: I had taken away some things that they had specifically thought about for supporting and um, helping students to do better one of them was that many of them talked about how they had learned that their homeschool relationships had to strengthen um, that working at having their kids working remotely really depended on relationships with parents and parents being part of the school, home, community, student um, piece that we know surrounds and supports our students. And I think in education and as a professor, I talk with my students every year in classroom management about The importance of building relationships with students or with parents but it's a really hard relationship to build when you're in the classroom. Um, Parents always feel like they're that person that's really important but they're on the other side of the wall and it's really hard to make that a really good working relationship but this really forced our hand about how important that relationship is so they talked about building that relationship um they talked about using tech tools to build independence and that some of the tech tools that they got them using during remote learning when they came back to the classroom they were still able to use those tech tools to be more independent Um, at least one person but i think um i probably talked to two or three people that mentioned it um less directly but um about using multiple mediums or media with them so they were trying to put the information online and have it someplace on paper and send it out as an email and send it out as a text and try to put it out in multiple places so that everybody that it made the information accessible and i think that's a good foundation for teaching right because even in the regular classroom um there's going to be somebody who doesn't get the information because you only put it in text and um lots of them talked about giving video feedback and stuff like that 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 had changed the way that they were thinking about feedback um that brings up and Rachel mentioned it before but they also talked about changing assessment and how much um they came to understand the value of um sort of maybe cyclical teaching and um Giving more feedback, more formative feedback, um, and making themselves more available. And I think high school teachers, especially, uh, I think we've sort of built invisible walls that I think is necessary for home or work life balance for teachers. But um, lots of them said, you know, I've allowed them to contact me after hours and that's made a big difference because then I'm helping them you know I can just hop on zoom with them and it takes a couple of minutes and I've answered their question and then they can do their homework and so I think there's some valuable learning that's come out of it as well a lot in there yeah Natasha
3: um I think what also stands out is kind of teachers recognizing that this is um a very good place to center on student, uh, student-centered student centred learning. Mm-hmm. And so they talked about the independence of students now where students are cut off from the classroom right and so they're back home behind a computer and teachers are providing them all this material that others would have been done quickly and maybe more precisely in class and now they're taking on the role of um, doing the work, doing assignments, um, teaching themselves, and reaching out to teachers to kind of gauge whether you know what their understanding is right or how they can understand it better. And you had them reach out through emails or, or through Zoom, and I think that's very important in a in a generation where now technology is taking prominence, and that was really appealing to me.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that it sounds like a lot of these kinds of learnings will be things that that stick after we're back in person, right? I think we should we should probably wrap up. But um, I'm curious to know for each of you, what did you find surprising? So out of all of the things that you've learned, what surprised you?
2: I think um, this might sound maybe a little bit cliche, and it's maybe not a very um, tangible thing. But i surprised at how much teachers can take on and still function on a daily basis because they went from in the spring teaching completely remotely uh, surprise now you have to teach all your kids online to surprise you're coming back in the fall but it's going to look different to mid-november hey we got another surprise for you it's going to look different again and you have to adapt and you have to figure this out because you have to do it for your kids and teachers did. And I was, I am actually surprised and this hasn't necessarily come out of, you know, the grade group meetings or the surveys or the interviews, but just seeing it happen in real life. It's amazing that how much they can do and how well they can do it when thrown huge curveballs, you know, at unexpected intervals and they're still managing and they're still doing well. And some of their kids are doing even better than they have before. And so they're, they're doing really great things.
1: And when I talked to them, they were generally positive about their work. You know, they had some things that hadn't gone so well and they shared those things, but they had generally positive attitudes about the work that they were doing with kids. And
0: that's amazing. You're right. Really amazing. I was expecting there might be like a, a progression through the data from when the beginning happened and then as those like Rachel mentioned those different changes like it's surprising that they were positive in was it throughout or was that just in February when things were starting to feel like there was a rhythm already
1: (laughs) um what else was I surprised about um I I don't know if we wanna put this one in, but I was surprised that so many of them felt like um, the government saying that uh, the students' marks would be cut off at that point in March, and that they felt like that really um, took away some of their influence or their power. And um, that was kind of surprising to me. And I think going along with that, just that they were so worried about the learning gap. Um, And you know, I'm not in that position. So I don't know. Um, I usually have a perspective that kids learn and kids learn about a year's worth of stuff in about a year and that Um, when our formal curriculum sort of falls apart the informal curriculum comes into place and they learn different things but that I don't need to really lose sleep over them if they don't learn the specific concept that I'm teaching in my class um but teachers were very stressed about that and I I respect that they're that connected to um the responsibility of teaching the content of the formal curriculum.
0: How about you, Natasha, did anything surprise
3: you? Honestly, I think it would be just, I mean, after all the hurdles and the stress and everything that the teachers had to, how the teachers had to adapt because of the new guidelines and all that, I think it's really their determination to still kind of reach out to their students. And so obviously some of them had um, a few shortages down along the line, but then that that commitment and dedication and then reaching out to other colleagues as well as trying to learn technology. You know, putting themselves out there in that in that process of exposing whether they know more, or they know less, I think that really speaks out to how education is. How much commitment goes into just teaching, you know, and having those students receive that um commitment to them, right? And then even having some of their discussions where some of the where some of the kids were wondering if uh what was going on, is it because you we don't want we don't want to teach us anymore? And I think that was a little bit heartbreaking because they kind of pronounced how no, they did want to teach, but then there's this new thing out there and they have to explain it and then they have to tell them about how they should, you know, change Um, how they interact with each other socialization and all that stuff it's just the adaptation really
0: Mm -hmm. that sounds like all three of you were really impressed by the teachers you talked to and interviewed hey thank you so much for taking the time this morning and um, I think it's a really exciting project to be able to look back on like you said Rachel and remember oh yeah remember that year when we did all these things you know and I think it'll be really interesting to look back on in a few years Um, sure Yeah. yeah I just thank you again for your time and for sharing with us